Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the crossword for the week of November 19th, 2018. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our U.S. listeners. We've got a really fun show coming up for you guys. We're going to be talking about uh, Dan Aykroyd's comments on the big interview with Dan, rather. Is Ghostbusters 3 currently being penned? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the uh, the Ectomobile that has been filming downtown in Los Angeles. Uh, Firehouse 23 is being restored. So much. Stay tuned. Here we go. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keyboard? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! I'm Sam Elliott for Smokehouse Beef. <laughs> I love that man. I love every interview with that man, too, because he just does not give a crap about anything anymore. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm Sam Elliott. I'm Wilford Brimley for Troy's Lungs. (laughs) That's that's diabetes. Diabetes. Uh, Uh, Yes, I had a... Don't don't do things like that, because... I remember looking up what age he was when he was in the thing, and I'm like, man, he was that's, young. That's that's my age. D- dude was like 30 when he did Cocoon, which astounded me. He played exactly. the grandpa in the Waltons when he was 20. <laughs> it's cool. I have, <laughs> I have a. It's been a, a long couple of weeks for that because um, uh, the uh, Kim's Convenience, the CBC series up here. I don't know. Hmm. No, no, you yeah, guys get it down there. Yeah, you would have seen him because the actor ended up uh, popping up in a couple places, like uh, uh, Fan Expo Canada. He went there because he's a he and one of the other uh, guys on the show. They're Ghostbusters fans, uh. and they they built their own packs and like they full nerded, and then they showed up in in gear, and that's how we found out. The, so I'm like, why? He's he's the patriarch of you know this this family that. Uh, uh, first generation. I guess technically he's they're the Korean immigrants to Canada, and then their kids are the first generation. You know, Canada's uh, mosaic uh, situation comedy ensues, uh, and uh, it's, it's good. It's a funny show, and if you ever get a chance to watch it, and the newsroom. Frankly, you guys miss out on a lot of shows. I don't know why your cultural keepers won't let you see the good Canadian stuff but uh, I feel and, and after that Dan Aykroyd interview where he talked about how the CBC was so instrumental in all of those like Second City guys' uh, you know yeah. backgrounds and stuff I'm like I, I wish we had that I wish <laughs> we had, had access yeah. to it but he uh, he plays he plays the, the dad bearded you know gray bearded and, and all this and I'm like <laughs> he plays an old guy and then I look it up and I'm like ah he's my age uh <laughs> And then to cap it all off, uh, my mom was visiting, and uh, we don't get to hang out a lot. So I said, you know, yeah. we should go see a. Uh, you probably have it there, like the Arc Light, but up here, um, the Cineplex chain does it. They have these VIP cinemas. Mm. So every Metroplex we have here, they have like 
for our so screens that they convert to the the comfy chairs with oh. the tables. Yeah, and you can you can like order uh, <laughs> order alcohol, <laughs> you know stuff like that, <laughs> like VIPs so said, do. <laughs> Mum had never been. I said, you know what? Let's go do that. And I said, you pick. And I'm, I, I can't I forget what the two movies were. It wasn't Venom. I know. <laughs> I know. Mom, do you want to go see Venom? Mom, no. you want to go see Venom? Mom doesn't, Mom doesn't want to go see Venom. Uh, but um, a, uh, I forget what the other one was. But anyways, uh, of the choices, topping out here. I gotta adjust my level. Um, one of them was um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, and of I course, really want to you know, see that, and I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I know there are a lot of people that are like, um, you know, there's the film critics kind of people that want to tear it apart. There's a lot of people that are disappointed that you know certain aspects of his life are not told more or told better or told whatever. Mike Myers shows up. Mike Myers shows up. <laughs> Mike Myers shows up. Uh, did you see him on Halloween on uh, the Colbert I show? I did. Yeah, that's how I know that he's in the movie, just oh, based upon his, the clip they showed there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a wonderful. <laughs> okay, Mike, we're gonna have you come in, and then we're gonna have you specifically. Reference Wayne's World. All right, I'm in. Uh, um, life coming around full circle for Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was, it's it was it's good stuff. So, uh, uh, well, the funny thing, uh, yeah. If you have if you have your crossword bingo out, you can mark off. Chris complains about how old he is. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That should that should almost be the free center Top square. Left square. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> free center square. Chris complains about his age. Uh, oh, Chris, you're not. Th- you're fine. It's fine. Oh, go on. Go Actually, on. Um, no, I, I started getting a bunch of LinkedIn um, uh, congratulations. A whole bunch of people messaging me, congratulations on your, your work milestone. I'm like, LinkedIn is very good about telling your contacts to, 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 to congratulate you on your, your, your work uh, anniversary. It's very bad at telling me exactly what it's talking about. Well, uh, yeah, but, what's my work anniversary? Yeah. Uh, well, but uh well it's because i count from when the company uh officially went on the books with the government of british columbia which is uh, in january but i as of today apparently the company i helped start i've been at it for 15 years now wow so, hey congrats yeah. man that's that's a huge milestone 15 years i mean yeah i feel wow. like in this climate five years is a, a huge achievement so 50 <laughs> well, jeez everybody's like a lot of companies die within the first five years. So good for you. And I'm like, those jerks are off having a vacation or something. I bet. <laughs> They're on their uh, third company now. <laughs> so it, um, yeah, it's been a day for, um, nice for, uh, well, you know what they say? 46 is the new 37. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. It's the new 25. It feels like, <laughs> but, uh, especially in Wilfred Brimley years, bringing it back around. This is uh, all very boring to people. But, um, <laughs> everybody's everybody's like, wait, we tuned in to talk about Ghostbusters three Ghostbusters and the Ectomobile three. in Los Angeles, and these guys are talking about <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody and Wilfred Brimley. What the hell am I subscribing to? Well, that was also on the bingo thing. We just <laughs> ramble for twenty minutes at the start. I so. know. Uh, and so, anyways, well, all right, we'll get into it. But yes, yeah. uh, go see Bohemian Rhapsody. Wilfred Brimley uh, was not as old as he looked in the eighties, and uh, too long didn't read. That's that's what we talked about. But uh, let's let's get into news because yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Um, boy oh boy, oh my good. I'm actually really excited about uh, a few of these topics, Chris. So uh, let's yeah. let's just jump right into it. Here we go. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want to turn your head? Multiplanar curly and emanation. Yeah, I will 
here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. So, Chris, I, I had the rundown ready to go uh, Monday. I felt so mm-hmm. proud of myself. I was mm-hmm. I was well ahead of the curve. I had well-researched <laughs> everything. I put all of the bullet points in this this week. And then um, yesterday it all fell apart. And then you. it fell apart as it often does. Now, I did know that Dan Rather's big interview was going to have Dan Aykroyd on it, but I figured it was going to be mainly more in broad terms about his life and his career and about which comedy it was in to general a degree. which it, it was and uh i don't did you get to watch the full hour or just just no, the segments yet i'm in canada yeah so access so. well and access is kind of a, a rarity down here too so um but so i mean the, the full hour it does delve into his life growing up it talks about how he got into comedy uh about his parents and his lineage um and and is very focused because Dan Rather is a wonderful interviewer. If if I mean I'm sure everybody's familiar with Dan Rather, but if you haven't seen him interview somebody, he's really good at just sort of instigating that first question that gets you talking and talking and talking. And of course, Dan Aykroyd loves to talk, so uh, talk. it worked so out pretty perfect. well. But yeah, um, and so a full segment on John Belushi, and there were some revelations in there that I wasn't aware of. Um, one of his most poignant questions was. Uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd, what was your, what was the worst moment of your life and what did it teach you? And, and he says something to the effect of, well, you know, John Belushi called me the day before he passed and, uh, I ignored it and i learned from it to call your friends back. Like if somebody calls you, they're reaching out, they need to talk to you. Um, and I, I sat on it because his wife, Judith was not happy with the way he was acting and I wasn't happy with the way he was acting. And so I thought maybe a little bit of tough love and not getting back to him, was the answer, but, uh, you know, I, I, I still blame myself. What if I would have called him back and what if, uh, it, it would have saved his life? Um, just, I mean, very deep and powerful emotional things that are happening in this, but, um, but it is a Ghostbusters podcast. And of course, Dan rather 86 year old Dan rather asked the question (laughs) that everybody asks. The one guy I would have thought would have just skipped it, but no, Dan, I I mean, Dan thought he could take a swing at it. Yeah, and, and even uh, in the interview, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually play the five-minute Ghostbusters segment here for you guys. Um, but in the interview, you're going to hear him say, um, well, we're making news here. And and then I, I kind of scratched my head and I thought, well, yeah, there are bits and pieces in here that I haven't heard before. But at the same time, it's it's Dan's usual rhetoric. Um, and, of course, the internet is a buzz because it's Dan talking about a third Ghostbusters movie with the original cast. And so... Uh, hence this is why this is kicking off our our rundown and our episode here but uh why it's actually very familiar to a lot of people so um so chris let's do this let's play the the five minute segment here and then we can come back and and you and i can talk about it so here's here's dan Aykroyd on dan rather's the big interview on access to me Released in 1984, Ghostbusters was a box office smash. It was the number one grossing comedy of the decade, and it has gone on to become a highly lucrative franchise. Both Ghostbusters films were co-written by Dan Aykroyd, who has long been fascinated by ghosts and the paranormal. Well, I want to talk about your career. We we could spend this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow talking about it. I do want to get back to it, but it occurs to me to ask you, you know, do you 
do you fear most, the Holy Ghost or the serious ghost of Ghostbusters? I think I'm going to give my respect to the Holy Ghost. I want I want him on my I want him my uh, him on my side. But I have heard some frightening stories, you know, in my research about. Well, like the uh, Ellis Island, you know, the park rangers there will tell you that that's a very active place. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and uh, and then, you know, you get you get people who are so credible telling you these these stories uh, that it's just in the Queen Mary. There's there's uh, there's a couple of ghosts on the Queen Mary. And, the, and, you know, one of the guides said, oh, yeah, we we I we've seen the little girl many times. She drowned in the swimming pool right. in the 40s. And, uh, and and apparently she she still. So I think. I, I, I fear the Holy Ghost out of respect, but you know, uh, I, I would I would probably turn and run if I saw a ghost. I don't think I'd hang out to, to chat, you know. And I'd, I'd, I'd reach be right for my with equipment. You. You'd yeah. have to run hard to keep that out of me. But any chance of a real, honest Ghostbusters three? Very, 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 very much so. Now, let me say this about the girls' movie that they made. The, 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 it was really good, and Paul Feig made a good movie. And there's some great things in it, and the girls are great in it. I but just, it was, I was what, mad what? at him because he cost too much, uh -huh. and I, I don't want to slag a fellow artist. But had it cost a little less, and had he maybe listened to some of our suggestions on budget, then there there might have been another girls' movie that would have been great. Um, I'm sorry that's not happening because boy, they were terrific. Ghostbusters, Kate and Melissa and and, um, and Leslie were just just great, um, and. Uh, and Kristen Wiig, of course. Uh, I love the, those women and I love their performances. And I, I, I wished for them that they would have been able to make another one. But so that door is closed now. But yes, to answer your question, there is a possibility of a of reunion with the with the three remaining. Well, are we yeah. making a little news here? First of all, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to make the point that you were talking about this was not Ghostbusters three. It was the women Ghost, Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. of twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about a full blown. Third Ghostbusters. I think Ghostbusters. we've got a story that's going to work, and uh, it's being written now by a really, really uh, good filmmaker. I can't say uh, their names, but um, he, uh, they're uh, they're a good team, and they're uh, they're making a, they're making an effort to uh, to bring back all of the emotion and the spirit of the, of the first two movies, and and then take it into the 21st century with the vernacular that's needed today to get a get across to well, the audience. Well, I'm not sure we may be making some news here, but I know for a long time. Bill Murray's reluctance, even refusal, mm -hmm. to have anything to do with the sequel, kept you from making the movie. Partly, it, out, partly out of respect to him. It, it, it you know, he, yeah, it didn't. Uh, yeah, we weren't going to do it without him. And, and, and uh, well, you know, I, I wish that we had done the second one sooner. But you know, Billy was on to new things, and you know, you can't drag a person to do a part unless he, he wants to do it. And he'd done the part of Venkman, and he thought he, that was fully explored. But boy, he was great in the second movie. He's the greatest uh, comedic leading man in history, and 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 uh, he was so terrific in that second movie. And the second movie holds up. There's some great stuff in there. The baby and Vigo and and the river of slime and uh, and you know, just uh, I'm very proud of the second movie as well. And and I think to answer your question, we we may in the next couple of years be able to do a full reunion with uh, again taking it to the 21st century because there's a whole new vernacular now. There's a whole new essence of communication with audiences that we're going to have to hit so but i think we can do it and bill murray will or will not be in this or is that yet to be decided i think billy will come yeah the story's so good and, and he'll he'll come even if he plays a ghost i don't know <laughs> it's right here Ray. it's looking at me he's an ugly little spud isn't he i think he can hear you right <laughs>
Don't move. It won't hurt you. Okay, so uh, a lot in here to sort of unpack, Chris. Um, Everybody is focused upon his uh, Ghostbusters 3 is in the writing process. We have a good team who I cannot name. Uh, That comment where he, he starts to say he, and then he says a team who I cannot name. So, of course, everybody's like, is it Phil Lord and Chris Miller? Is it uh, the Duffer Brothers? Is it uh, the Russo Brothers? All these people that we have long wanted to be involved in a Ghostbusters movie. Of course, the now Coen the rumors. Is it the Coen Brothers? Oh, my God. Can you imagine a Coen Brothers Ghostbusters movie? Yes, um, I can, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it would be I amazing. have the fan fiction right here. Uh, uh, there was that. And, okay, so let's let's just let's just... Let's just all point at the Slimer in the the corner of the room here. Yeah, yeah. He hits a lot of familiar notes that we've heard before. Right, and the Feig movie until cost I heard him the too full much, audio, so on. Yeah, people hit those high notes, uh, good or bad, because some people react to them uh, as "oh, this again," and other people just take it at face value as "here we go, awesome." Yeah, things like uh, there's a new script being worked on. It'll be the original team, and Bill will be back. If it's a, now, here's the thing: the first time I heard about it, it sounded like if it's a good script, which is again something we've always heard, right. Bill only will come back for a good script. He actually says it is a good script. It meaning is a good script, and Bill will there come is back. a script. So right. we're at least what a couple of drafts in, maybe. Uh, yeah. So I'm wondering if they took old concepts and now this is a new team sort of rewriting yeah. that or retooling that uh, based upon but then, things, but yeah. But then he goes with the thing, build back, even if it's as a ghost. And I think he kind of threw that in it as a, a chuckle, but for those of us who have been around long <laughs> enough, we recognize that, <laughs> that that was one of the hooks to try to get Bill back was uh, he'll only come back if he's dead. So a lot of since us, 1988, that was Bill's yeah, hook to come back just, and do another Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. So you at first blush, you're like, oh, okay, this is where we're at again. Now on listening to the full thing again, yes, specifically mentions there is a script now, right? And yeah. specifically mentions that it is a, a you know a partnership that is working on it. Uh, and I think it's safe to say it's I'd put my money on it's not anybody that had it up to this point. Now, I checked. The Rousseau brothers on an internet movie database have nothing past uh, Avengers 4. Like, they're just in the wind oh, God, as far the, as... They need a vacation. That's what their yeah. Avengers 4 uh, future is, is because these guys have been and, working on Marvel movies for the end yes. of... Yes, you know, I mean, and I think years. to that end, even though they were named previously as maybe kind of looking at it, they're out because he yeah. Dan said within the next couple of years he thinks they could get it made in the next couple of years, right? So the Rousseaus yeah. are out. They've been there's no way they've got even a preliminary script going, or even maybe not even a pitch. I don't know. Like they got so much stuff going on with Marvel, it's like I don't think so. Um, beyond that, who knows? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I Lord think and it, Miller. Are a, are a good candidate just based upon because they were attached to the Flash. They were attached to a DC movie, and then of course all of the DC universe has exploded. Uh, exploded, yeah. So, so they're a possibility. The Duffer they're Brothers. Uh, I think the Duffer Brothers possibility. Are, 
Yeah, um, and certainly there is a, a well-known, um, uh, is a very documented love of Ghostbusters, as we saw last, you know, season two of sure, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. I mean, that's, I, maybe we should give some context. So if you don't know, so uh, the Russo brothers are the directors of uh, Captain America, Civil War, uh, The Winter Soldier, Avengers, Infinity War, uh, multiple Marvel movies. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, of course, were the directors of uh, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Clone High. They were attached and directed part of the solo a Star Wars story movie. How much remains to be seen still. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, all, all viable candidates for a Ghostbusters movie, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go- no, I, I was just saying my interpretation at this point is I took it with a grain of salt initially, just cause yeah. this is what Dan likes to do. Um, now though I have a, there's a part of me that kind of thinks that one of the big things we'll hear about next year is maybe where this is, is going to go. Cause this is the thing we haven't talked about much. A lot of naysayers came out of answer the call and said, that's it. It's hoop the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah. And Dan actually brings it up. Actually, Dan airs <laughs> very strongly <laughs> a couple of things about answer the call, which is that, uh, and this is stuff that I think we kind of pondered about at the time too, which was, uh, you know, Feig had his direction. He was the, you know, the director and he was going to go one way and the input, there was input coming in from Ghost Corps, specifically Ivan and Dan. Uh, and at the end of the day, yes, it sounds like Dan's, uh, interpretation is that there was nothing wrong with that movie other than it cost too much. Yeah. And there was a couple of things he would have. Which he said before that in, he said in before, his Paul Feig isn't allowed on the St- Sony studio lot comment, which was a joke that everybody took literally. It took literally. Uh, uh yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, <laughs> so that's a, it's, I think it's a neutral there, but, but what you hear when he says about that, it's. And specifically what he says is that it costs too much. What it means then is at the end of the day, people looked at it and went, if this thing had been X amount cheaper, right, it would have been a success. And I think what people forget is, I mean, a lot of people want to look at that as a flop, but a flop is you kind of lose your shirt. As Whereas you and I have discussed this before, you hit somewheres within plus or minus the bullseye of breaking even. On As far as the books are concerned, it'll all you know, it'll all weather out. It's not great, but it'll all weather out at the end. If they think that there was a couple of tangible things that have they gone differently, it would have went into the positive. It, it doesn't mean we're without another Ghostbusters movie for a while, particularly if they're like talking about maybe some sort of animated one in between, like as a cool off period. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up. You and I've been doing this for how long now? Uh, uh, how many decades? But I think <laughs> it, for me personally, and then I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm. I I think. Well, I. It feels like. Yeah, there's actually some legitimate momentum. It's ages away from anything greenlit, and so many things can change. But I don't think it's a. I don't think it's this. Things are back on hold, sort of thing. Like it, this sounds like a new initiative. After we're two years clear of answer the call, so I think in the past two years there was talk about how do we move things forward, and they legitimately went and found new brains and said, yeah. "Well, we've we've had X Y Z teams take a shot at it. What's your shot at it?" And that's where we're at. Like there's there's actual exploration of possibilities going on at, at Sony slash Ghost Corps. 
Yeah, I would imagine multiple possibilities uh, is is probably what they explored and then landed on whatever this might be that he's talking about. Um, because, you know, Dan could have easily brought up uh, a, a number of things that he's brought up in the last two years, speaking of having some distance on Answer the Call, where he talked about like Ghostbusters High, uh, it's going to be high school kids and we're going to do a prequel and, you know, all these things that he's come up with. But this is... He's playing very coy. He's doing his best Lucasfilm, Star Wars, like, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain here. Um, But I I read into the subtext of him bringing up this budget thing again as, like, uh, it's it's almost as if he's... Because if, if you watch the entirety of the interview, he talks a bit... Like, he gets into his sales pitch about Crystal Head Vodka, and it's the same thing that you've heard every single time about Crystal Head Vodka, too. So Dan has this boilerplate media speak that he does for everything in all of these interviews. Right. Um, and, and some way, somehow this budgetary talk about Ghostbusters answer the call has made its way into that boilerplate. And I'm wondering if that's a result of them exploring things at ghost core and saying, well, here's how much answer the call cost. If we make a sequel to answer the call, it's going to cost that much or, or a little bit less than, you know, because we won't have to do yeah. the reshoots or whatever, but it's going to cost that much. If we do this, it can cost less, which means that the profit margins will be higher for Sony and everybody involved. Um, and they will all get their cut of the royalties and everybody will be happy because it made money. Um, and I, I, that's kind of the subtext that I was getting from him bringing up the budgetary speak again, that it was like, well, you know, Feig's movie was successful and I love Kate McKinnon and, and, Leslie Jones and uh, like he, he names the entire cast and he loves Paul Feig and he, he really is very um, appreciative and very complimentary of them. And then he says, but it just costs too much money. And I think that's why there's not going to be an answer the call too. however, what we're working on is a, a direct sequel to the second movie uh, that reunites the original cast. And then he kept reiterating this, and is in the vernacular using the communication tools of the new era. Use like, you know, it's, it's his like, well, we have to pass it on to the next generation. Um, so I, I mean, I think much in the way that Sony is handling men in black at the moment, I I feel like they've kind of seen that as their route into Ghostbusters. And and that's kind of what Dan is alluding to here. Um, Again, it's all boilerplate. It's all the same things that he's said since 1996, 97. Um, We've got to bring Ghostbusters to a whole new generation. He said 20 years ago. Um, It'd be downright ironic if answer the call is is the reason why we actually will get a second shot at a Ghostbusters 3 in that if they had gone out with a Ghostbusters 3 and it had failed Ghostbusters any Ghostbusters beyond that could have been in the cooler for yeah however long whereas th- now they can treat answer the call as a postmortem and go here's the money, here's what we got out, here's what worked, here's what didn't. Oh, absolutely. And so here's the spreadsheet of what, you know, here's the budgetary constraints (laughs) on a third Ghostbusters, here's the things that cannot happen, and this is how it'll pay out, you know, worst case scenario, best case scenario, and, or runaway success sort of thing. And then all they have to do is shop around and find somebody that goes, yep, I can do that. 
I could do it for that, I, that dollar <clears throat> amount. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, well, because, and because we kind of all forget is that the last <laughs> Ghostbusters movie that got made, they were optically printing effects. There wasn't a right. single stitch of computer in it. So they revisited the, a Ghostbusters movie in a CGI era. Got lo- learned lots of lessons, I think. Um, oh, I, yeah, from from a budgetary and a creative standpoint yep. too. I mean, here's. Uh, I was talking to a concept artist for a project that I'm working on and, and they made a, uh, they made a really good point. You know, as a concept artist, you design all of these things and it hurts when you're rejected, when they look at a design and they say, no, not that. But in the, in the long run, you're helping the creative process by putting something in front of them that they have to say like, Oh, that's not what I want because they have to see that that's not what they want. So here with answer the call, you have seen, okay, we don't like that the equipment changed. All right. Uh, we don't like that the car changed. All right. Got that. Check. Uh, we we wish that the original characters were involved. Check. Got it. You know, they're, they're running down this checklist of things that they now have basically a test yeah. group, a focus group <laughs> response to. Well, more to the point, too, if we treat Dan and Ivan, Ivan in particular, as executive producers on whatever projects come along, you know, what is the most digital effects laden stuff either of those guys have you know even production wise touched right like does any anything come anywhere near a ghostbusters level movie so i think in doing answer the call those guys walked away learning a hell of a lot about making a you know repeating the ghostbusters summer blockbuster formula only in a digital era where you know, things got to be bigger and bolder and, and, you know, it's not about a guy putting a rubber suit together. It's, you know, this is how you, you, you pull your effect shots together. Right. Um, so I, I think we kind of wandered off a little bit here. Yeah, no, I, we did, but, and it's, that's, that's okay because it's the, it's kind of the same rhetoric that Dan has always said. And of course the internet is making much ado about it because it's, as always, when it's any original cast member mentioning a new film, it, it makes big, big headlines and big news. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I sure got excited. I mean, I think I was more excited about the entirety of the interview. The Ghostbuster stuff in that that little segment yeah. in there that I just played is is the only talk about Ghostbusters really that they had in there. Um, and uh, I kind of breezed by it and I said, oh, well, that's that's cool. They've got a creative team writing a script. Which we've kind of known. I mean, that's kind of been a known entity, but uh, of course, everybody brought it up. But I wonder, Chris, if it was uh, maybe exacerbated by the fact that a certain ectomobile was seen filming in downtown Los Angeles. And of course, now everybody was speculating about what that might be. And then Dan Aykroyd gets up there and says, well, we're working on a third film. And everybody puts one and one together and they go, oh. Correlation is not causation. No, it is not. Um, and and funny enough, I thought this was going to be the lead story of this uh, this here wonderful podcast, but it did not end up being. But uh, no. So so what ended up happening was um, late in the weekend over the Veterans Day weekend here in Los Angeles, a lot of people on social media, especially because it's downtown L.A., it's much like New York. Everybody's got their camera phones out and they're ready to go. Um, the the Ecto One was spotted screaming, soaring, speeding through the streets of downtown Los Angeles. Now, I I emphasize those three adjectives because as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, what did they do to the original car? They've really been putting some work into it. Um, And I, again, correlation, putting things together, 
I was like, oh, I saw Cinema Vehicles on Halloween said that they had a certain car in their possession that they were doing some work on, and they snapped a photo of the Ecto-1, and I thought, oh, man, they finally they took the Ecto uh, off the Sony lot, and they've been putting some work into the engine because the engine has been so bad, so terrible lately that it barely runs. Um, and I thought, oh, man, this, this, is, this is wonderful news. Now, uh, in that time since I saw this video of the Ectomobile being uh, filmed with, uh, with what they call a, a chase car, a follow car, it's like a, mm-hmm. a Porsche SUV with this uh, crane arm on it that the camera is mounted to. Some, some people call it a Russian arm, too. Um, but that's high production value. This is not a fan film with uh, a fan car out there. Until I learned it is a fan car. That's actually Sean Bishop's affectionately named Janine that was out there filming with a stunt driver, um, presumably because his car runs better than the original car. <laughs> oh, sad. But uh, but yeah, so so Sixth uh, and Spring Street is where a lot of the action was taking place, which is a, a well known filming location here in Los Angeles, uh, mainly because it's it's very versatile. It's doubled for Washington D.C. and Boston and New York, of course. Um, and all we saw was uh, car action, just a, a lot of high dynamic action that they were filming with the Ectomobile, which uh, sure brought chills to me. I don't know when you saw it, Chris, I don't know how you reacted, but I was like, oh my God, that looks so awesome. Oh, I, I, I kind of get excited, but mostly I'm curious about what's going on. <laughs> I don't get excited until I know exactly what it's about. Uh, again, that might just be because... Well, and, and it doesn't yeah. sound like we're going to have any... any um, clarification on that i mean we have so somebody uh online had clarified that it is for a commercial which was kind of my suspicion uh that was yeah high production value and um but we don't know for what or for when uh if it's ghostbusters world if it's for the fan fest or a third thing um but they're they're putting some money into it it's not ghostbusters world because my like the launch the launch advertising, the launch money has been spent sort of thing. I, I don't think we're going to see, uh, we'll, we'll see more advertising. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think anything involving like, you know, LA street shooting with a car, uh, is, is, is going to be for Ghostbusters world. Um, for a I mobile game. I'm yeah. Pretty sure it's something to do with, with, uh, 20, you know, 2019. Um, it's just a question of what deal did they strike? I don't, you know, I don't think it's a movie. Uh, we would have heard other bits and pieces. Like, everybody gets excited. They're filming a third movie. It's like, no, we would have heard other pieces leading up to this, right? Um, yeah. It, it not yeah. the car and Dan on the same day. Like, you can kind of see ripples leading up to it sort of thing. This stuff pops up because, um, you know, there's an ad or something. So it's it's a lot quieter. It's a, It does tend to come out of left field. It's just a question of what is it for like well for example uh it's like some sort of a home video release like it's it's gonna be an anniversary there's probably gonna be an anniversary home video release of some sort sure yeah good time to shoot an ad is something like that especially if they you know they the the set is you know something big and grand right not just another blu-ray reissue or something like that if they put a little extra anniversary oomph into it yeah <laughs> what if what if it was like you remember the batman uh in 89 the diet coke commercials where like alfred <laughs> was uh drinking the diet coke while the batmobile was screaming through gotham city what if it's one <laughs> could be we don't know right like uh-huh. uh it could be uh like 
uh, oh boy, it'd be fun if it was insert shots for stuff from the movie as well, right? Like, oh, that would be cool. I mean, not if they, I don't know what they would it, adding to the montage or something. I don't know what they would do. And, and, well, and can never, you imagine the out the the, the outcry <clears throat> there would be if they did some George Lucas uh, alterations to a movie like Ghostbusters? It would not. Oh no, no, not those kind of inserts. Well, I mean, but, if they took clips from, if they took uh, bits and pieces from the movie. And shot some extra car stuff to edit together. I'll, uh, sort of like the the British bank. Uh, oh, did. oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. A, a, a new commercial using the like. Here's the Ghostbusters on their way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, like because uh, if you think about it in the movie, there's the shots of the Ecto. They're short. That's not a commercial length. <laughs> like if you pulled those yeah, shots out uh, yeah. and all that, that's not a commercial. So if you want to bolster it, you get a. I don't. I don't. Who knows? We don't know. Put your money down. We don't now. know and. Yeah, and, and here's so I think yeah I, I mean I'm guessing it's a I don't know I think you're right something for the anniversary some some sort of it's a, a commercial it, for the anniversary it's it's either for uh, a Sony home like a Sony product like a home video most likely sort of thing or a partnership of some sort and actually yeah. statistically means it's probably more likely to be a partnership thing. I think Sony and home video knows full well that if they put it out, if you, if you print it, they will come. Whereas, you know, if, if, uh, a fast food franchise decides they want to do a special anniversary thing or whatever, those are the ones that'll drop a little money into, you know, running a TV spot or something like that. Ooh, it'd be nice to have Ghostbusters at the Super Bowl. When's the Super Bowl? Uh, oh, January. The the timing would be right. I mean, if it's timing a big Super Bowl be, commercial, ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, well, other so people suggested Fan other, Fest. Uh, but why would they do a commercial for fan, knowing that it's going to be a limited uh, event? Um, lim- I was going to uh, say limited run. Yeah. <laughs> Toys. Um, limited attendance. What are you, is that what yeah. you mean? Or? Limited limited no, attendance. So you can't. You won't do like a nationwide TV spot. For for it. Yeah, you don't um, you don't need it because you're going to get that money. So I don't know. It's uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Let's Taco well, Bell up here's, here. Well, and Taco Bell is a good idea because uh, I think it was Jason on Ghostbusters News uh, pulled from somewhere that a, a fan had asked what they were working on, and they said, "Oh, we're working with a bunch of movie cars, including uh, Kit from Knight Rider and the." Was it the 18 van? I forget what the third car was. And I, oh. again, I kind of took that with a grain of salt. Like, well, maybe it's like that, uh, uh, the AT&T commercial where the guy's uh, on his phone and he's got all like the DeLorean and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and something like that. But, um, yeah. but we obviously did not see any of those cars in the shoot. So uh, maybe this one is a Ghostbuster centric one and then maybe they're doing others. Uh, I don't know. But um, at any rate, yeah, well, uh, not much more we can do until we actually see whatever this was. Well, I, I'm excited the, to see it because they were shooting some fun stuff. That's that's for sure. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but January is not exactly uh, that far off. Like, I don't think the lead time on commercial shoots is not a lot. You tend to shoot and within two to three months, your product's out there. Yeah, they got to do a quick turnaround. And they've obviously been conceptualizing it for quite some time if uh, they're out there shooting and location shots with stunt drivers and follow cars and that's that's quite a bit of planning right, so well, set your clock um, 90 days i think we'll find out <laughs> yeah. stand by stand by red five um so not uh not too far down from where they were shooting in downtown los angeles some more good news for a a los angeles filming location that is near and dear to my heart um i i kind of did a little backflip as soon as i read this 
Uh, Ghost Core on their Facebook page confirmed, and this was also in Curbed LA, which was the source, uh, that the old firehouse, uh, Firehouse 23, uh, is about to get the tender loving care that is much, much needed. That has it, It's needed for 20, 30 40 years. I mean, that, that poor building has been in such disrepair that it's been a long time coming here. But, um, so, yeah. And, and the funny thing is it's, uh, so the, the article on curbed LA says that there are plans to convert the, uh, firehouse into a youth art center. Um, and, uh, the funny thing is that, uh, years ago at one point, we were going to do a fundraiser to, uh, fix the roof on the building and, and fix it up and, and turn it into a youth art center. Uh, back when that was the caretaker, Daniel, who was, working on it. And, um, that guy disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. I think he wanted to take the youth art center money and run with it. But, um, so the good news is that this is a, a city run, uh, venture and they've got a designer attached to it, uh, a fairly reputable designer, um, who has done a lot of like public spaces, uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of big projects that they've worked on, um, and they've actually got renderings of it that you can see on the curbed LA article. Um, it's, uh, it, it looks like, I mean, here's the good news, everybody. Uh, the good news is that the firehouse that was filmed for ghostbusters and big trouble in little China and the mask and all of these movies that we love, uh, will be open to the public. The bad news is that it's still in skid row. Uh, it's still not a really good <laughs> neighborhood. Um, but I think that maybe well, the idea is that this art center is going to help kind of bring the community together and, and put a, a positive, uh, footprint in Skid Row that there's going to be places that, you know, people can be attracted to and the kids that are there in Skid Row can, can engage in. But, um, yeah. but yeah, what, uh, what were your impressions of this, Chris, especially like those, the Brooks and Scarpa renderings, which looked really cool that they put up, uh, on the article. Uh, it's bittersweet. Uh, as you say, people will finally get to go in and see it. Um, yeah. and it's protected now. It's not going to waste away to the point where they have to tear it down, nor is, uh, somebody going to go, well, time to gentrify. So we're going to tear it down and <laughs> turn and, it into you know, apartments or work loft or work live loft yeah, exactly. or something like that. Yeah. The bad news is, is it means that it's filming days for the kind of things that we remember it for is pretty much over at that point. Yeah. It may still get uh, used for stuff, but yeah. And, and I don't think when, when was the last time they actually filmed there? Because this article even mentions that Netflix wanted to shoot there and they were turned down because of the terrible condition that the building was in. Um, I I know we we tried to film something in there and we were turned down. That would be the Duffer Brothers oh. uh, movie that Dan Aykroyd referenced in his interview, obviously. <laughs> and and is filming with the Ectomobile just down the street, obviously, yeah. Just down the street, obviously. Um. Uh, yeah, no, it, it hasn't been used for anything in a long time. Like I said, it'd be nice if it was still there and available for such time that Ghostbusters comes around again. Although we're all, you know, we're all big boys and girls now. Uh, movies can quite easily uh, recreate that interior if they needed to um that's yeah. not going to be a problem if we if we need it and, and um, they have i mean they they recreated yeah. it for answer the call and a few other films uh, have actually yeah. just recreated the look of firehouse uh, fire station 23 but yeah uh, well part of that is going back to answer the call that that one short documentary we saw of the set designer that was using the the digital print 
laminate and all that to re to do the floors and the tiles and all that right like yeah yeah the reason why in the 80s they shot on those locations is building them was expensive these days you can recreate that for a fraction of the price with a lot more you know shooting versatility built into it because you don't have to source the tiles and have people tile an entire <laughs> right. wall or something you can just come in print it out just slap print it, it up out on the wall yeah and you're totally done. And you've saved yourself uh, all of that so, location shooting money and all of the security that you have to hire because of the area that you're in. And yeah, exactly. Totally. So if you did a, 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 a pro con, a plus minus analysis, it's in the plus. It's not the building will remain and we'll have a chance to go see it. Those, you yeah. know, people like yourself and AJ and all them that managed to get in uh, while it was lying fallow, great. Like, and you get the video that people took and all that, that's cool. That will become way more important because that will be the last, you know, documented hurrah sure, of what, what it looked the building like. was. Uh, but yeah, now we can all kind of show up and, and, uh, go in and I don't know, spend a lot of, <laughs> spend a lot of time freaking out, uh, kids <laughs> finger painting by going, I think the fire pole <laughs> was there. Yeah, and it looks like they're keeping the, I mean, because it is a registered historical monument, like you mentioned, um, and, and even the article does talk about that. I think it was in 1960, uh, 1966, they named it a historical cultural monument. So um, it's it's been on the docket as something that needs to be preserved since then, but... Um, yeah, uh, you know, you'll be able to go in there and you'll be able to see the at least the original architecture restored in some way, some form, uh, yeah. with all of these things surrounding it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good news uh, on one hand. On the other hand, um, I, I am because the article also mentions that in 1979 they talked about turning it into a museum, and of course we know that that did not happen because they filmed all of the movies that we know and love uh, f- five years after that, six years after that. So, yeah. um, th- that obviously hasn't happened. And here we are in, uh, 2018 and nothing has been done with the, the fire station to the point where people have been breaking in and, and destroying things and, uh, just terrible yeah. things happening. Um, but, uh, here's, here's hoping that it, that it sees its glory days once again, and we can all go visit it. We'll all be talking from the arts, cultural arts center, Fire station number 23 uh, for a live podcast or something. That would be a lot both, of fun. Both fire halls will live on for uh, decades to come. So Yes. Yeah, that's we're, the good we're news. We're, we win. It's a win-win. For yes. Um, so uh, so two more items here. Uh, I know we're uh, we're on the verge of running long, so I'll, I'll keep us moving here. But so Ray Parker Jr. is up <gasps> in Scotland. Wait a minute. I know. Us? Go figure. Bingo. Verge. <laughs> long. Uh, Long what, huh? Uh, so Ray Parker Jr. Uh, know him, love him. We talked about him uh, last week for uh, a, a few a few reasons. Uh, I still worry. I know he lives in somewhere out in Calabasas, Malibu. So uh, I'm still hoping his house is okay because of the fires. But uh, Mr. Uh, Ray Parker Jr. was in the Scotland area for a Comic-Con and uh, a longtime listener Ecto Crank was kind enough to record the audio from his panel and send it our way. Um, there was a lot of discussion about non Ghostbusters related things, uh, but he was kind enough to cut things down to a a nice, uh, lean seven minutes for us. So, uh, so what I'll do is, uh, we'll play that. And then Chris, you and I need to come back and talk about Mr. Michael Tanaka's email about crossing over number seven, especially with crossing over number eight, having just come out this past week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so here's here's Ray Parker Jr. at uh, the Scotland Comic Con, and then if you are trying to avoid spoilers for Crossing Over Number Seven, uh, we bid you farewell. We'll we'll see you next week. So here's Ray Parker Jr. My favorite achievement is Ghostbusters because it makes you happy. <laughs> it is my favorite achievement, you know. And, and people always ask me, "Are you tired of people looking at you in a restaurant saying who you gonna call?" And my answer is no. It's it's a wonderful thing. Also, I got a little lucky with that one, too. When I, when I first wrote this song for the film, there was only 20 seconds of it. And it was only going to be over the library scene. And in the film business, what that means is nobody wanted this thing. Right? So the film company, everybody signed off. I'll let Ray have it. We don't want anything to do with that. It's not a song. And so my lawyer said, okay, well, Ray will keep everything. And then later, the director liked it and said, well, that should be a record or something. And it changed, but they had already given me everything. <laughs> that doesn't mean much to you now, but you'll figure that out. <laughs> that was the biggest thing that ever happened in my life, is when they didn't want it. So let me have it all. But hey, silly. Hmm? They had, like, hit written all over it. It was the 80s. It was awesome. And they- you guys think it had hit written all over it. I only wrote a minute and ten seconds of it. Record company's like, eh, I'm gonna put that. It's not gonna be a record, it's not gonna be anything, it's just going over the libraries. Remember the library scene when they first knocked the books over? It was only for the libraries. And that's what they hired me to do, and they said, everybody signed off. If it does anything except the library scene, let Ray have it, we don't want anything to do with it. Then the director liked it, said, can we make it a bit longer? You know, I was like, but you guys told me just to make 90 seconds of it, you know, a minute of it. So I had to go make the tape longer. But it's really only a minute of music. It's stretched. The same minute is looped over and over and over. Change the words a little bit. But the main part of the video that I'm going to say I started off, we, the record company, Clive Davis, was scared of me singing a record to a ghost. He's like, we've been nurturing your career for years. You're the ladies guy. You sing to girls. You sing romantic songs. A woman needs love like you do. You know, all my songs are romantic songs. And so I came up with the concept, well, I guess if you use the Saturday Night Live guys and put everybody in the video with me, we can make it a joke and people won't think I'm really singing to a ghost. You know? So everybody's concerned about that. And then Ivan Wright and the director got involved and said, well, I'm gonna direct the video, we'll just put a million people in. So it just turned into what it turned into. You know, it got really out of control. In fact, Ivan said, you know, this is the first and last video I'll ever do. And he hasn't done one since. <laughs> You know, they flew me to New York. I didn't know what to expect. They said, the other guys are going to be there. I said, oh, it's great. The movie's coming out. I wrote the song. I ain't met nobody. I ain't met none of the Ghostbusters. So the first time I met the Ghostbusters guys were actually in New York when we were doing that dance in Times Square. I don't know why they decided to block off Times Square Friday at 1 in the afternoon. I mean, it's the most expensive time. I said, wow, these guys are serious. How much money they got? They closed New York City and Times Square in the middle of the day, right? In the, you know, the most busy part of the day. And so, yeah, they made it happen. And uh, it just took off that video. Really did something different. You know? Who's my favorite character? I can't answer that. It's like running for president. I know those guys. I have to live with those guys. Come on. My, the favorite, my favorite character in Ghostbusters is, is Ray Parker Jr., but they have cast me as a program. And every time they make a new Ghostbusters, I got something to say about that. And I wish they'd hurry up while I'm still kind of, you know, looking good. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be the ghost in <laughs> one of the movies if they don't hurry up. <laughs> 
I like Slimer. Yeah, I can identify with that. Nobody's going to get mad at me for liking Slimer. <laughs> My favorite guitar is, well, there's, oh, I got a couple of favorites. There's one that George Benson gave me, one of his GB20s, and he signed it for me. Uh, Stevie Wonder gave me a guitar, which we were talking about back then when I was 18 years old. So I got that one hanging on the wall. And then there's the, the Japanese built me a red guitar. They only made two of them. And that's the one I'm playing Ghostbusters and another one with. And there's only two of them in the world, so I don't need one to go outside, you know. And so that's hanging up there. There's a couple of favorites I have here. They're doing a documentary on me. Now this is when you really get old. Okay. <laughs> Things have happened, so many things have happened. The, the film director comes up to me and says, Mr. We're gonna do a documentary. I'm like, what are you gonna do? I say. But you know, so he, he liked my past. Growing up in Detroit, I got beat up I'm from the racial riots era where I got beat up by the police. There's a whole lot to my history started with that he thought was really interesting to bring into the world and share that light. And it's, it's a happy movie. It's more about how do you come from the inner city of Detroit and then move on. So it's actually a pretty good story. It's gonna have some feel good moments in it. Ernie's in it, I think Dan, uh, Ivan Reitman's already in it. And we got Dan Aykroyd next week. So, so we got all of the guys, a bunch of people in it. A lot of people even like it. Well, the cast of Ghostbusters, like, well, you know, I, I now know them much better because I spent time with the guys. But when we did the song, I only saw them for maybe 15 minutes, that scene outside of Times Square. So I didn't have any opinion of them at all, you know. And they looked at me pretty strange too, like, who's the dude in the front, you know? <laughs> so, and it was Bill Murray who, by the way, decided, well, shouldn't we break dance and do something? So he got down on the ground. And then I started spinning him around. That was very unplanned, by the way. By the way, the whole dance was unplanned. I forgot who came up with the dance, but somebody said, well, we need a spooky dance. So he started doing that. And everybody started doing it, and I was filming. And next thing I know, Bill Murray got down on the ground and said, spin me around. So he's trying to break dance a little older to do it, but at the time, you know, so he's break dancing. I'm spinning him around, and that's how that's how it happened. From filming the video, yeah, I got all of it. I got the original outfit that I can't get into anymore. <laughs> you know, no, I got this stuff at home. Yeah, I don't know if I was smart enough to keep it. I think it's just in the closet, and I haven't thrown anything away yet. But I got I got a lot of the original stuff. And you know, I go to schools and. We give a lot of things away to charity, too. So the Ghost Corp, they're pretty good at giving me stuff. And if I can't find anything, I'll go on eBay and buy it. So you'd be surprised what you can find on eBay. I can find all the old Ghostbusters stuff, order it, then I sign it and get it to the school. It turns into something. So it's Excellent audio. Thanks again, uh, Ectocrank, for sending us that. If you want to hear the entirety of the panel, he will be putting it up on um, uh, ectocrank.com is his website. He'll be putting the full panel up there, but uh, he was kind enough to share share just that segment with us and, and give it to us as an exclusive. So appreciate that. Um, all right. We're going to, we have to talk about Michael Tanaka's email because as he often does, uh, we talked Ghostbusters crossing over number seven last week and um, three hours, four hours after the episode went live, uh, Michael sent us his, his very uh, thorough and very detailed email as he often does. So uh, it, there are some spoilers in here. If you haven't read Ghostbusters crossing over number seven, uh, this is your final warning in terms of spoilers. So, so let's go through uh, Michael's uh, c corrections. I guess I can call them corrections. As, as Michael often does, 
he has a photograph. <laughs> I'm so envious. And yeah, and, and I, I have to say that I have offered Michael airtime. Like I've wanted him to come on the show and talk uh, about the IDW comics because his his encyclopedic knowledge of, of the IDW verse is second to none. I don't know how he retains all of this information. Um, I, 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 I'm, I admire him so much that I want him to, I, Michael, I'm begging you that the listeners are begging you to come on the air, but in, in the meantime, we will read your corrections. <laughs> um, so, uh, so a few corrections to last week. Uh, number one, the clown did not possess Garrett, which we did mention last week. Uh, it was the hungry Manitou, who did that. And then the Manitou generated the clown around Garrett for protection so that he could feed off of Garrett's energy and not be concerned with being shot like he did in volume one. So, uh, that I, it was a simplification. I think I'm guilty of that. That was my fault. The clown was not possessing him. Um, number two. Now here's, uh, Mr. Michael Tanaka's, um, his speculation for where the IDW series is going to be going after crossing over number eight, which just came out again this week. Go pick it up. It's awesome. Uh, so he says in terms of an annual to bridge crossing over to the next story, I say, pay attention to crossing over issue number two and number four and number eight keyword predators. Uh, so that's his hint. Um, do we want to elaborate on that or should we just leave that as it is? Um, I don't know. Let's, let's, leave, his, let's leave his tease as is. Yeah. Sure. I let's feel like that's, that's, well, that's, uh, otherwise we got to start issuing spoilers for, uh, for the future as well. <laughs> for stuff, for stuff that hasn't come out yet, by the way, pre-order things that have not come out yet for the, for the person that called us out for not saying that, uh, pre-order, pre-order all of the IDW stuff before it comes out. I feel like we, we hammer home by this stuff as much as we can. Um, so, uh, so here's, here's where I kind of wanted to bring up the discussion point because Michael's, um, point of view on crossing over is that he disagrees that it could have used another issue or two. That's, that's a lot of what you and I talked about last week that we felt like things were a little short. We wish we could have sort of delved more into, um, the, the time with all of these different groups and seeing their interactions. And, uh, you know, by the time we get to issue seven, all of a sudden, um, you know, here's Tiamat, here's the plan. We're rounding the corner and heading for home. You know, there was just that sort of really abruptness that happened that you and I kind of found jarring, um, to which Michael says, you know, I don't feel that the, I don't feel like it needs more because the mini glimpses that each team were able to get was just enough for him. And he even, because he's Michael, he added up how much each of these timelines got. So the Helsinger Brewery <laughs> of 75B got 20 pages. Uh, the comic strip dimension, which was the Wander Hills Orphanage, where Peter and, and Holtzman and those guys were, that was 16 pages. Uh, Central Park of Dimension 00D was 15 pages, and the Circus Dimension was 15 pages. So basically everybody got their own one-shot, essentially. Um so he's saying if issues four through seven worked one team per issue, we may have felt more fulfilled. Maybe if it would have been one complete story from start to finish, instead of being intercut the way it was, um, we would have, we would have had a different feeling toward it. And, and going back and re-listening to our discussion last week, Chris, I think again, and maybe I, I wasn't articulating correctly, my reaction was that I just, I want more, I want more of these teams. I want this to yeah. be an ongoing series, 
it's not that I felt crossing over was uh, short lived. It's not that I felt that this particular, you know, three act structure needed more time uh, to, to simmer. It was more that I just, I want more. I want the two Winstons to venture out and I want them to, to talk about their differences and, all of the, I, I want waiting for Godot with the two Winstons. I want these two guys to just be talking by a river, hanging out. And that's yeah. not something you can do in an eight issue miniseries. I think this is mostly so, on me because uh, for me, it felt more condensed. Uh, so I think that's on me that, uh, to me, I was kind of, I, I think I, if I recall correctly, I posited a couple of times if things may have been, uh, either there was, there was more stuff to cram into the eight story arc, the, cause as Michael points out, it was always, uh, going to be eight, uh, yeah. or if, if, uh, or if, you know, it was more than eight, uh, and then they had to kind of cram it all down. I, I, I think that's just a side effect of, there's a lot going on in this story. Like the Ghostbusters IDW universe is just big and full of. Well, as issue eight will demonstrate quite nicely, uh, <laughs> dozens and dozens, like they basically brought in, a, you know, dozens of characters and had them all go off on a grand adventure. And that's, that's impressive because I mean, even the big companies like seamless. Marvel and DC, yeah. yeah, they only do that, you know, like they only do their epic arcs every once in a while. And even then they tend to break it up into now we'll follow this couple and now we'll follow this couple. And in there, there's two, three, four giant sized, you know, annual sized, uh, hub comics where they, yeah. everybody comes together, you know, into one big thing. This, you know, this was most of a year and beyond if you want to tack in, you know, the lead up to it and all that. Of yeah. The annual and, characters and, doing yeah. a lot of stuff. And that's, that's so, the wonderful thing about it is, is they've been telling these serialized stories now through the IDW comics <laughs> where uh, you, you just want it to continue. And I think there's part of. There's part of me that, especially in issue seven, now this is before I read issue eight, um, I was reacting to, well, it's all coming to an end. Everything is is coming to a close and I'm not ready to come. It, it's like when you're watching a good uh, series, you're watching uh, Frasier or Star Trek The Next Generation or something where you you still have that feeling of of loss when you watch the final episode of the show because you loved the series so much and you don't want to see it come to an end. Um, even though you, you know that, uh, the, uh, especially with the IDW stuff, there's going to be more, um, with Star Trek, there's obviously going to be more so on and so forth. But, um, that I, I feel like that was my reaction. Now, again, I read eight and we'll, we'll get into issue eight, I guess, next week, Chris, we'll, we'll save discussion yes. for, for the conclusion next week. But, um, again, I, I, it's, it's sort of a lot of this was kind of thrown out the window when I read eight, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think, Again, I, I, I think we probably should have articulated that we were reacting more to, yeah, the, the, the condensed miniseries of it all as opposed to being spoiled by all of these ongoing multi-year stories. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so, uh, so carrying on with uh, Michael's corrections here, uh, as a class seven goddess, he says Tiamat can manipulate portals, hence how she could scramble the portal to mix up the teams in issue four. She sent Ron home, but shifted the rest of the field team to the collector's limbo dimension. Um, he was injured. He had no proton pack, so he was no fun to Tiamat. That's, uh, Michael's take on it. So, um, and, uh, oh, uh, Ron is chaotic. You might as well send him home and give him a chance to survive and do more stupid things. That's win-win for Tiamat. <laughs> I love that. Mm. Yeah, Ron Ron can go mess up things uh, on the other side, totally. 
Uh, number five, he says, oh, remember in issue seven on page 10, Janine said that they should look for Garrett's wheelchair. They don't need to waste panels on showing that. That was, I think, a direct response to us saying, like, where did Garrett get his wheelchair back from all of a sudden? Um, and then he gives a dig here saying, I thought Troy said he reread the comics. I, I, I did. I, I didn't recall that. I'm sorry, Michael. Forgive me. Um, he says, I'm pretty sure it was always eight issues, which uh, Chris, you had talked about. So we, we kind of are put in our place there. Uh, Eric Burnham, of course, wanted to do a miniseries uh, with each team sort of focused and then kind of bringing them all together, much in the Marvel style. Here's all these dimensions and then they come together in this big melee, but uh, it, it ended up changing a little bit. But they always knew they had eight issues and they just sort of shuffled things around for that. Uh, yeah. Let's see what else. Oh, Dan and Louie uh, did the miscolor of uh, RGB Ray's hair on purpose. Uh, of course, we called that out, um, and they have been doing that since the Get Real miniseries, which I don't remember that in the Get Real miniseries, but maybe... No. Again, I didn't recall Janine's panel about Garrett's wheelchair, so I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't sleep, and I drink lots of whiskey and wine. Um... <laughs> So let's see, uh, number eight in issue number four, and I assume in issue number eight, uh, this was before obviously Michael had read issue eight as well. Tiamat said that the capture of the collectors caused a lot of panic among beings in the multiverse because they were powerful, untrappable demons, and that panic led to chaos, which Tiamat thrives on. So if the Ghostbusters trapped death, I imagine that would cause more panic and chaos, but I still felt it was too convenient that death happened to intervene during this mission in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the death, the death of it all, I, I feel like there's more death story to be told there. Ghostbusters versus death, uh, 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 Ray and Egon's bogus journey coming soon. Um, <clears throat> and then Peter mentioning Holtzman's gray hair. He corrected uh, uh, us on that. He said, that's a callback to Ghostbusters 101 issue five. After they trapped the Moby Dick ghost, she called Peter old and he teased that he saw some streaks of gray among her blonde hair. So that uh, the gray hair, I, I that's think that's my fault because I got tripped up because I, I thought you were talking about the gray hair and answer the call. And I think I just confused all of that. So um, and then uh, finally, Chris, he agrees with you that he wishes that a whole story about extreme Ghostbusters would happen. He feels like it's long overdue. Um, he does know that IDW is doing a huge 20th anniversary celebration in January. So maybe that will continue into the next months and the big story will start in June, just in time for fan fest and the big, uh, anniversary celebration. So, um, so yeah, so, so thank you as always, Michael, uh, for, for sending us that email very punctually, always sending us that email. I saw that in the morning and I was tired for you. I don't know when you sleep. I think you listen to our podcast in the wee hours of the morning and then you type that email up uh, in the in the wee hours as well. So uh, so yes, thank you. Thank you as always. And again, the uh, the open invitation will always stand, sir. We will. I, I want you to come on the show. I want you to come on. I mean, I know that you don't want to do uh, it. It can happen. I think if, if the listeners out there pressure you enough, Maybe if we say, come on, Michael, do it. Come on, come on the cross rip. Maybe we can <laughs> peer pressure you into it. But uh, anyway. Um, all right. So uh, one final thing here, Chris, which I'll let us play. Uh, I'll, I'll have this play to our, our closing thoughts. But uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda of uh, of Broadway fame, 
Um, Hamilton, of course, his his big claim to fame, but he's also in the new Mary Poppins movie, all, all sorts of stuff. Uh, on his social media, there's some really cute clips of he and his son noodling through the Ghostbusters theme song. Have you have you seen those yet? Yes, I did. I <laughs> I had flashbacks to uh, wrestling a two year old away from a grand piano at one point. So. <laughs> And maybe suffering very, some some very, sort of parental yeah. PTSD on that one, but uh, yeah, parental uh, don't don't touch that. Um, but uh, so he and his son are noodling through the Ghostbusters theme song, presumably around uh, Halloween, and uh, the results were very funny. So I thought what I would do is I will play the two results of their uh, their little jam session uh, here, and then uh, we'll get into our closing thoughts. So here's Lin Manuel Miranda and his uh, prodigy son. When there's something weird and it don't look good, who are you gonna call? We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for Ghostbusters. Interdimensional On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Chris, miraculously, uh, some way, somehow, we're still just over an hour on the podcast. I don't know how we did it. I looked at this rundown and I thought, oh my God, we're going to be recording for like three hours tonight, but somehow we did it. And when you cut out that whole thing in the middle we're not supposed to talk about, wink, wink, it'll be about an hour. <laughs> that's that's totally true. That's totally true. But uh, so what, what do you got in terms of uh, final thoughts for this week? Uh, actually, my final thought is more of a, a, a lead-in cold opener. I was going to ask you if um, you watched uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, no, and in fact, uh, Craig Goldberg of uh, the Yes Have Some podcast was asking me the exact same question, and I have not. What? What? You have I, not. What? Tell me, inform me. What is this? Why have I not heard of this, and why have I not watched it? Uh, I don't. I, I can't answer the second one. That's on you. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But the first one is, um, I guess, 
I don't know how specifically they they aimed it this way, but uh, basically Netflix did a 10-part hour-long series, The Haunting of Hill House, which I believe is um, not The Haunting. Uh, House on Haunted yeah, Hill. Amityville. Not, uh, not, no, Amityville? not Amityville. <laughs> there isn't. There is a. I believe an old movie that. Oh, and the book. Ah, oh, what's her name? Dang it! Because I was going to go back and read the book now too. Um. Anyways, House, famous, House on Haunted uh, Hill. Yeah. Famous horror uh, story got turned into at least one movie that I'll have to go look, and then got turned into a series. Um. And really, basically, it bounces back and forth between uh, the '80s and uh, the present day as a family, uh, mom and a dad who are like a uh, architect slash designer uh, in, in a very non-80s uh, <laughs> jobs, uh, flip houses. Yeah. They buy old houses, they, they build, you know, they, they, they fix them up and then sell them sort of thing. And again, also uh, not terribly 80s, family of five kids. It's impressive, Ooh. but anyways. Wow. Um, uh, it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot going for it. I think it, people are seem to be binary acting to it, with a, a lot of them reacting more positively <laughs> than than negatively. There yeah. have been a few people that go. Uh, there's a few people that hate the ending, which I won't get into. Uh, although I think what they've done is they've missed the point. Is they thought it was going to be a, uh, like a horror story the whole way through, even though the heart of this, oh. the thing is about. As a as a uh, partner at work, uh, Martin uh, pointed out, it's it's a it's a series about a family that that failed itself. They didn't support uh-huh. one another properly or whatever, and things kind of. But but uh, and it's all surrounding this house that they go into that is well, it's haunted. Um, it is it's going to end with more the family resolving things than resolving ghost stuff. So I don't know if people were hoping that they were going to start punching ghosts or were going <laughs> to exercise the place or whatever, or or it was going to turn into some cliched, you know, find the jewelry piece in the basement and take it to hallowed ground. Or No, it, it, it ended up with a, a family trying to basically mend some stuff and that's how they survive sort of thing. However, the lead up to it is insanely scary at mm. times. It oh, is man. really in a creepy sort of way. Like I am uh, long enough in the tooth that it takes a lot to scare me at movies. I don't really get scared at movies. What I sit around waiting yeah. for is I wait for that that uh, hair raising tingle up the spine that's when you know what I mean the butt clench yeah I'm not yeah. scared I'm not screaming I'm not jumping out of my seat even with the jump the scares, tension like, the yeah yeah but there are some there are some bits and I, you just get the hair up the, you're like <laughs> there's a lot of that oh, in this man. thing um, that's, it's really uh, well yeah, done yeah, you I, you said it was binary that the people are hot or cold on it but I've just overwhelmingly seen people just be over the yeah, moon I, about I don't it. Think, like everybody's yeah. just going crazy for it. People's reaction to it are, is binary. The people who don't like it or like it less, they are in a minority. It's a lot of people are responding to it a lot. Mm. Uh, they're talking about a second one, which a lot of people. Uh, I watched it. Uh, my mom, as I mentioned, was visiting and she was curious about it, so we watched it. And it was like, well, what do you do with it from there? And it's like, mm. 
could be like True Detective. Maybe it's some other family or something like that. But um, yeah, it's really, it's really, <laughs> it's part of the other thing too is that as you get further along in the series, you learn more about where these ghosts are coming from to a degree, and that's always never, you know. You want to make this about Ghostbusters? It's like finding out where Slimer came from. It's not as much fun once you know. It's he's better yeah. off as he is. Yeah, better as a uh, mystery. It, yeah, yeah. When 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 the ghosts are a certain way and we don't know what they are, that's creepier than when we start to find out why they are the way. Although there's one uh, ghost in there. Uh, all the ghosts are actually really really cool. Uh, and they have a it's it's an interesting mix of stuff too like they have I, you gotta watch it just because the ghosts are so different from one another in a lot of ways mm. like uh, I don't even want to give reference to stuff like there's there's even non scary ghosts in it uh, oh, and they just yeah. they, they come out of left field and you're like bah, like just the concept <laughs> that they throw at you you're like oh my god yeah um <laughs> Oh man! It's, All right, I gotta watch it, this. I gotta. Yeah, watch it. And there's yeah. some amazing little things that they worked into it too. Uh, um, uh, there is a hint of the paranormal amongst the family. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but uh, that comes out pretty quick, so it's not a huge spoiler. And uh, but uh, uh, what what else? Uh, oh, um, and they split the time between. Um, uh, the 80s and they have Henry Thomas playing the father oh that's brilliant that's brilliant yeah. casting it gets more brilliant when we go to the current era it's played by Timothy Hutton and I'm pretty sure they put Henry Thomas in contacts to make his eyes match but you to look at look the two like of them Timothy and you're Hutton. like oh my god you're right yeah, yeah. Timothy, Hutt- Timothy Hutton is old Henry Thomas it's wow. uh it's impressive. Uh, it's really man. nice casting. All right, you really sold nice me. Really nice casting. It's um, you will start it, and then you will be stuck because this is one of the few shows that I've actually binged on Netflix. Like we blew through it in like three days because we'd watch two episodes Ooh. and go, "Okay, one more." Got it. Yeah, uh, just one more. Just one more. Just one, just more. one more. And not a spoiler, but at one point, somebody's reaction to a haunted house is the one that I've always advocated: is if a house is evil. Uh, when you go back, bring gasoline and a match, because um, that is a <laughs> completely legitimate response to an evil haunted house. Uh, like burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, um, Get out. Yeah. Uh, what's the Japanese one? Juwan. The Grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody should be investigating that house. Once you know something nope. weird's going on, nah, that thing's good from orbit. Yeah. That thing's got rice paper doors. It's gonna go up. <laughs> you don't even need the gas. Just burn it and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some salt in after it, and away you go. Oh, uh, no, it's it's good stuff. It's 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 hard to find. Uh, you know, these days, finding good ghost stories is is kind of hard. Monsters, people do monster movies a lot. Get making creepy, gory, gross, scary monster movies uh, way easier. Ghost stories kind of harder to tell, and this one is actually really. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice one up there next to um, Stranger Things, and inevitably the Duffer Brothers Netflix series, Ghostbusters series that we all know is getting that we all know is currently and, uh, filming, uh, has already wrapped filming, and no, no it's so that's not my final that. thought. If anybody's heard, uh, tell those friends to stuff it. 
uh, <laughs> and watch it with the lights off. And trust nice. me, you, you, at, at a minimum, you'll get a couple of good creeps oh out God. of it. All right. And more uh, likely, you'll really like it. I, I got to watch it. Uh, I'm going to do that now. Actually, that's what I'll, I'll do as soon as we get off the, uh, the old recording studio here. But... Um, uh, awesome. All right. Okay. So I have two uh, quick housekeeping things before we sign off here. Uh, number one, if you've been trying to buy uh, merchandise from the Ghostbusters interdimensional cross rip shop and uh, the links have been dead, we fixed those. Yay. You can go back and buy stuff. Sorry about that. Uh, so if you want t-shirts, uh, hoodies, um, cell phone covers, uh, you can go to ghostbustershq.net slash shop pick those up uh we're also going to be adding some new items for the holidays wink wink nudge nudge hint hint uh we have some fun stuff that's coming your way for those uh great gift items wonderful christmas boutique gifts uh and uh yeah so so check that out ghostbustershq.net slash shop uh and then i also want to shout out to all of the people that uh, ended up playing ghostbusters the video game with me on a whim last friday night that was a whole lot of fun I think we're going to do it again this Sunday night as I record this. But uh, yeah, Ghostbusters the video game. Love that game. Thanks for everybody that came out and played. That was that was a lot of fun. But uh, we'll 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 do it more regularly. We'll try to find these uh, these evenings that we can all get together and, and talk Ghostbusters and, and bust some ghosts. So uh, stay tuned to the social media avenues for that. Uh, if you are not following the Crossrip on Instagram at the Crossrip, uh, that's where we're going to start asking for you guys is uh, on on the air comments uh if you start following us on at the cross rip on instagram we're going to be putting up a, a little discussion thread and uh, chris you and i next wednesday will start reading stuff on the air uh, as as we get those so uh keep an mm-hmm. eye on uh, keep an eye out for that and uh yeah i think that's all the the housekeeping stuffs that i have this is where everybody usually says like leave us five star reviews and that's that's our housekeeping buy stuff uh play video games with us and uh, ask us questions that's that's what we want from you guys but <laughs> all right uh until next week We'll see you all on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Everything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird. The all-new Micro Machines from Galoob. Galoob. Ah, I tried to be as fast as I could.